0: I really realized that I was having all this compassion for for other animals and for the planet and really wanting to fight to make it healthy and, and cared for and it made me realize, like, wow, Renee, you're not doing this for yourself, you, you're, you're torturing yourself, yet you're trying to change the planet and make it healthier and happier.
1: This is Hey Change, a podcast brought to you by me, Anne Therese, a model activist and co-founder of Role Models Management, an ethical talent agency, on a mission to disrupt the industry and change the way we think about fashion, beauty, and society as a whole. I'm here to bring you inspiring changemakers and new ideas on how we can live our lives in more sustainable, healthy, and compassionate ways. So, with that said, are you ready to jump on board the wave of change? Alright, another week, another inspiring model. Today we're talking to Renee Peters, who is a model living and working in New York City and also an advocate for sustainable living. She strives to be a role model in all that she does using her platform for positive change. Her blog, Model for Green Living, seeks to reshape the way people think about environmental issues and show that it's actually cool to care. She uses her social media to send a message of self-love and body positivity and to encourage mindful, sustainable living. okay we're back on the show today we're here with renee peters hi renee hi (laughs) okay so we are in brooklyn it's super hot out like i almost melted away when i walked over here
0: it's so hot global warming is real
1: it's real and i try every summer i try not to complain about the fact that it's hot because just two months ago i was complaining about the cold
0: yeah but
1: it's just part of nature i think yeah complain a little bit
0: as long as the birds are happy. When I see the birds flying around, I'm like, all right, everything's cool. You
1: know what? I was doing a shoot this morning, and I was underneath this tree, and I'm like, listen, listen, I hear the birds. Yeah. And this guy's like, what? I'm like, it's in Brooklyn. I can hear the birds. This is amazing. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so before we start the interview, we just need to clear one thing out. This is very important.
0: Okay, what is that? If you were a spice, which one would you be and why? Wow, that's... Um... A really interesting question. I think I would have to pick cumin, not because I am orange or, I don't know. Like, if I were to pick a spice, I would have to say cumin just because I love it so much and I use it in so many different things. So I guess it's distinctive in flavor, like me, Mm -hmm. but also goes well with everything, like me. So, yeah, cumin.
1: Great answer. So (laughs) just one thing, what, what would be a dish you would cook with cumin?
0: My favorite dish is um, like cauliflower, roasted cauliflower with cumin on top, mm. and then like brown rice and beans um, and like green veggies. I love macro bowls; they're super simple, yeah, love macro bowls. but just add a little bit of cumin and it's perfect. So I macro bowl. I use sometimes Buddha bowl or just mush.
1: My friend and I are like let's make some mush today. And what we do, we just put all these things in a bowl and just eat it. Yeah, yeah. it always tastes good together. Yeah. I think it's funny because people like. Oh, do you have a recipe for that? And I'm like, I don't really do recipes. And I think if you, pl- like, if you cook with plants, you can't really do wrong. It's like, it's good food, put together, it's going to be great. Yeah. Right? Yeah, plants play well together as mm-hmm. well. <laughs> great. Okay, so Renee, share something cool about yourself.
0: Well, I am not particularly cool in my mind, but I think that something really cool about me is that I am willing to try anything and the more something scares me i am more likely to do it um like for instance this is my first podcast and i was scared to do it so i said yes and here you are shining already yeah yeah, yeah. so i think that makes me cool i think that's really cool about you
1: so and also i mean you're a model which is quite a terrifying um
0: career to pick i would say uh, how is it that you be- became a model what's your story I actually started later in my teenage years when I was 19. Um, I grew up in Nashville and my parents really wanted me to stay in high school um, and finish it all the way before I started because I got scouted when I was 14 and really wanted to start modeling then. But my parents were very adamant that school was important and that I finish. And so as soon as I was done with high school, I was like, all right, I'm going for it. I'm going to be a model. And so I just started test shooting with people in Nashville and then um, my mother agency, Amex, found me and they signed me when I was 20 and I started working there and then met with agencies in New York and London and Paris and then I was a working model. Cool. Yeah. So you kind of always knew you wanted to be a model. Yeah, I mean, I grew up with Project One Way. Like, mm-hmm. when, when it was at its prime, that's when I was growing up. So, yeah, I really wanted to do it.
1: But now, I mean, your Instagram handle is Model for Green Living, which is actually how I first found you, which is I think is cool. Um, did, you always know, did you always know that you wanted to model for that cause, or do you think
0: that came later on? No, definitely not. That came later. I always have had a love for nature and the environment and animals, I was a Girl Scout for 12 years when I was growing up, um, but you know when you start modeling it's very, it's a new skill, it's something completely different, it's very bright and shiny and your mind kind of all goes towards being successful as a model. And so when I first started out, you know, it was all about being at the right place at the right time and doing what my agents wanted. and you know, building a portfolio and traveling. And I think the more that I traveled, the more that I saw how other cultures um, interacted with the environment and also treated one another, the more that I realized as Americans, we really kind of have it backwards. And because I had that love from a young age for the environment, really realizing like, wow, there's a lot that can be done. Um, in order to make the world a better place. And um, I wanted to figure out how I could do that as a model. Cool.
1: I really want to come back to this because I think what you're doing is really, I mean, we talked about this before on many occasions, but the fact that we are, it's easy to think the models are part of the problem because we are promoting you know, consumerism and fashion and fast fashion. But how can we turn it around and make it, you know, become part of the solution instead? And I think you're doing that in a very great way. But I also want to just quickly talk about the fact, because, you know, you wanted to be model when you're we very young, and I think it's I think looking back um, with my own dreams, it's good sometimes to weigh because you have a different perspective at life. But you, I know for a fact, which is what you're sharing on your blog and your Instagram, that the whole body image picture has taken a toll. And what how do you what is your whole story about that?
0: Well, I don't think that modeling was the culprit in the beginning. I think as a teenager growing up in America, and it seems like in the world now, you're just bombarded with imagery every day from television to magazines to advertisements that all show you these happy, smiley people that are very thin, usually white, and also just A a very perfect ideal that's not necessarily attainable for people but because we see it over and over and over again in our media as a child I looked at that and I thought that's what I have to be if I want to be successful I have to be skinny and I have to be wealthy and I have to have all these things and so when modeling started I already had this ideal that being thin was what required What was what was required for me to be happy and so You know being a model you also have these standards of fitting in a sample size Which for those who don't know a sample size is usually a size two and that's very small For the standard American that's very small and so I realized by you know looking at my peers looking who was getting all the work and admiring them and admiring their success and really really wanting to be successful as a model i saw that okay i have to be this then if i want to be successful and so yeah i just over time i guess became more obsessed about it than i should have been and a couple of years ago realized that wow like i have a problem this is not just me eating healthy and working out. This is me obsessing all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm too thin for my own good. And yeah, long story short, that's kind of how it started. And, you know, it was kind of our,
1: the first thing we talked about today. Because um, I was like, oh, hi, how how have you been and what are you doing lately? And you were talking about, well, I've been in this loving myself and loving my body
0: zone. and. I'm going back to like it's it's really finding the balance yeah I think at least for me and my journey I've been really lucky that I've been able to speak honestly about my problem and have overwhelming overwhelming support from not only my agencies but also just from my friends and family so just being really open about the problems that I have um, so that i can recover pretty quickly and i know that that's not the case for a lot of girls i think my situation was mild even though it was not easy for me um but that being said the point that i'm at now you know two years later after admitting i have a problem i kind of look at it as a pendulum so it was pulled all the way in the really skinny direction and then afterwards i kind of just let let it go and then you know, last year I was hanging out on the other side of the pendulum swing where I was just loving myself, allowing myself to recover, eating food, still eating really healthy. I maintained my vegan diet and I still exercised, but it came from a place of like waking up, looking in the mirror, coming from being a size zero and being a size four and looking at that girl in the mirror and being like, it's okay. You're beautiful. Your body's beautiful. and and allowing that space to just be there, and I think now where I'm at is, you know, trying to find a balance between the two extremes, where I can relax and love myself, but also push myself to be stronger, and faster, and, um, just more healthy, you know, I still really would love to be, you know, a great model, um, And I think that, you know, even though the body standards are getting a little bit better, you still have to maintain a certain physique to be successful. And I really want to be successful for my cause. And so now instead of having it be about me not being good enough, it's like, no, like I want to be the best that I can be so that I can be the best role model for this cause. And so I have that motivation again to get really healthy but not do it in a way where before i was just you know restricting and over exercising but instead eating great food and exercising with a trainer who knows what they're doing and then getting the desired result i think you're mentioning something really great here because
1: you said first of all just admitting to yourself that this is not healthy i've been in the same positions so i know even it doesn't matter how much you peers or friends or family is trying to tell you like that's not good for you like because you're in a mindset like no 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 I'm eating well you know I'm exercising it's good for me but you can't really see that it's it's in an obsessive way so it's actually not healthy so I think it's important that you say okay it was a phase this is just me learning to love my body and to give yourself that space and then now you come to to terms with yourself okay now I'm there let's how can I get back into it in a more healthy way of looking at it um, so I think that's great too. It's not, it's not black and white. It's just finding the balance. And um, since you are bringing up the cost of your modeling nowadays, just tell us shortly what does sustainable
0: fashion mean to you or sustainable living? I have to say that my personal definition of sustainability goes back to my days as a Girl Scout where we were taught you always leave the place better than you found it. And I think in America and as a planet as a whole, we've really not been doing that for our planet. We've been taking and taking and not ensuring that it will be left better than when we were here. And so sustainability for me means continuing living the life that I love, being comfortable and happy, but making sure that the choices that I make every day are not going to be inflicting harm on the planet and so if that comes if that is related to fashion it means choosing either secondhand clothing or new clothing that's designed in a sustainable way where they're conscious about the usage of their water they're conscious about the fabrics that they're using the dyes um, just every aspect of the production chain in fashion it's not really a a difficult concept. It's kind of just like continuing um, the way that we used to work. We used to live before the Industrial Revolution. You know, we, we thought about sustaining ourselves and the planet because if our planet is healthy, then we're healthy. And so I just try to live every day, choice by choice, thinking, okay, is this purchase or is this action going to hurt the planet? If it's not, then I go for it. And if it is, then I don't. So it's bringing awareness to the everyday, basically. Yeah, being more mindful. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have a
1: misconception about that lifestyle comes with sacrifices. In what way do you think that's wrong?
0: I think that it... Tricky question. Yeah. I think that it has to come down to your mindset. Because... It does take more time to make a decision. That's true. You can't just walk around and just buy anything and then live mindlessly. That's just not an option if you want to be sustainable. But if you have a mindset of, wow, like I'm really using my brain and I'm really thinking about the planet as a whole and thinking about everyone that's been involved in this process. You do find things, like we live in a time where you can find things that are sustainable. Every single thing that you could need, you can find a sustainable option. So it's not like you're limiting yourself. It just isn't super quick and easy, like we're all so accustomed to life being. Um, and I think that the the most fulfilling thing that I have found from this journey has has been... That, that time that I take to, to make decisions has really allowed me to reflect about who I really am, what's really important to me, what things I really want in my life, and um, it's actually much more fulfilling than my life was before, because instead of mindlessly making decisions and having other people tell me what I needed, now I really know who I am, and I'm making decisions that truly make me happy. Um. I
1: come from, actually, I myself, I myself is a recovering shopaholic. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, when, well, I wouldn't, it sounds drastic, but I can really say that when I was a teenager, I mean, the best, my best uh, version of spending a Saturday was with going with my mom to some close town or a shopping mall, whatever, and buy as many items I could for as little money as possible. And I would go home and just lay them all out on my bed and be like, oh, I got like four new shirts and like this bag, whatever. And it got to a point where like I actually had to ban myself from stores. Because I was start I started lying about it to myself and to my to my family. Like, oh is that a new shirt? Like, no, 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 I got it last summer. And like a week old. And I realized this is this is not a good way of living. It's not sustainable. There was this was way before I had any clue about the whole impact of the fashion industry. But still I was something about it that wasn't right. Um, and it took me a lot like a long time to realize that I don't find happiness in the things I buy and I mean I had to move countries I had to move to New York and I can really only bring whatever I fit in my suitcase or two so I started like giving stuff away and I will sell stuff or giving it away to like donations and such and I realized I don't even miss the clothes I thought I needed and even now I went back the last time I brought a suitcase full of clothes I think I wore like 20% of those clothing just like hang on the rack and I'm, like I don't even need all this stuff and I think it's what we need to happen on this planet is definitely keep producing more sustainable clothing and think about it that way but i think the biggest shift that needs to happen is within the consumer mind because we are tricked into living into this consumerism world and to give a very short explanation about this i am on psychology and i read a lot of books about it and when we shop it goes back into our primitive behavior of survival because back in the days so we may have not eaten food for five days and we like we see a rabbit or some sort of food and like you go into this hunter mood, like hunting mood, like, I need that rabbit. If I can't get it, I'll die. And you may have no energy left, but in that moment, you get adrenaline. You, like, you just your heartbeat goes up, and you get really excited to claim whatever you want. And the same thing happens if you're walking down the street, and you see a dress you want in the window. So all they, the whole rational mind goes out the window. You don't, you're not thinking about, oh, that you just promised yourself to be saving up money or that you can't spend anymore this month or that you have way too many clothes already. In that particular moment, all y- your body is doing is helping you to get the dress. So you think, oh, maybe i just get a loan from my mother or you know I have some money left in my credit card or whatever. And what follows that is a feeling of reward. So you get dopamine all over your body. So actually that's how you create a shopaholic because you, you feel good about shopping. And also I think we live in a society where it's not okay to wear the same clothes twice in a row. So we created a society where we need to continuously shop clothes. So we don't want to spend a lot of money on sustainable clothing that can last us a lifetime because you can't use it anyway. So you'd rather go shop some crappy things, wear it once, it'll, you know, tear out, but you don't care because it's just, you know, it was cheap anyway. And, um... How do you feel about all that? How can we shift the mindset within a consumer to think about like what is
0: cool? Well, I've been studying a lot of um, marketing in my free time because being on the on the inside of the fashion industry, you really see how much work goes into selling an idea because it's not so much about selling a brand anymore, it's about selling an idea. And so when you look at an advertisement, you look at that and it's telling you a lifestyle or a way of living that is desirable. And so I think that it it comes down to the marketing. And I think that a lot of the, um, the big brands that have a lot of the marketing budget, they're the ones that are telling us you have to buy more. They're the ones that are advertising, you know, it's been a week and we have new clothes and so you don't, you're not going to be cool if you're wearing what you wore last week, like come and buy our new things. And I think that brands really have to realize that if they're doing the right thing, their marketing is, is crucial. They have to be able to create a, a reason and a story about why this lifestyle is better than the old paradigm. And, um, for me, for instance, like with my brand, I'm really trying to show that, you know, living sustainably isn't this seventies hippie mindset. Um, you know, with tie dye and patchouli and super granola, like it's actually just as cool as, you know, any other model living in New York city, um, you know, in the fashion industry. And so I think it's really about, um, using, using our media strategically and, um, letting customers see that it's not something scary and it's not any different. It's actually better. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that also like, Watching less TV and consuming less media has also been really helpful for me in this because it can be really um, it can be really taxing on your mind to like be constantly bombarded with all these advertisements and people telling you what to do. Yes, both advertisement and like the
1: shows we're watching. You know, I, f- I mean, not to mention the show, but like the Kardashians. Like, what are they all about? Consumerism and you know, getting the eyebrows done, and it's just just this- luxury lifestyle and I even know hairdressers it's like yeah all the teenage girls want nowadays is come in and have the eyebrows look like the Kardashians and I'm like what happened you know what it's I mean it's been like that for a while but I think it's it's not sad but I think I want to look at it from a positive perspective to be like let's change it let's find pride in the things we have I mean I think it's cool actually if you were to really love a certain dress and wear it three times in a row if so one and people be like oh I saw you in that dress last time too like yeah I know I really love it I got it here like create a story behind the clothes you have make that become part of your identity Mm -hmm. instead of you know I think yeah I think if you can make the clothes part of who you are and be proud of that I think that's really cool in today's society and to be like well yeah I mean I'd rather have one really cool dress that I like and be sustainable and then communicate that so you start planting seeds because what we don't realize we're in this hamster wheel Mm -hmm. that's been created by media yeah and we are prisoners in that hamster wheel and someone else needs to come in and be like wait a second what are you what are you thinking about here like be that person in the party that sounds yeah
0: yeah and I I wrote a piece um, for when I had my aha moment about fast fashion um, for the fashion revolution where I talked about how giving up fast fashion was really, really powerful for me. And it helped me find my identity. And I think a lot of people who do have, you know, habits of constantly consuming, they don't really know who they are. And they're not really forced to figure out who they are and how they want to showcase that because they're constantly just buying new things. Like if you have to really think about who am I? How can I reflect that to the world through my clothing, but also have it be, you know, stuff that lasts for a long time? Like, you have to be comfortable with that image that you're portraying to people and have it last for a couple of years because the things that you're you're owning, they're going to stay with you. Mm-hmm. And so people are going to see you in them more. And so for me, I realized, like, I'm a much more minimal, clean um, I really love Japanese, like, bigger clothing. I, I think um, I really found my style and, you know, I'm more comfortable in, in just buying things that fit within that aesthetic because I, I know they're going to last me for two, three years and, and that's who I am.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what people will see. Right. And I think also because, you know, the fashion keeps changing from season
1: to season. So if you keep following the fashion, you're going to have to keep buying new stuff. So it's even good for your economy to buy one thing that really fits who you are and then just keep it around.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I still buy new clothes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like I'm going and I'm I'm buying like three things and, you know, I wear the same thing every day. I mean, no, I have a great wardrobe, but it just was consciously put together and it when I add things, I know that they're adding value to my life. They're not just something that is going to sit in my closet, I'm going to look at, put on, not want to wear anyway, and then end up giving it to, you know, goodwill or throwing it away. And um, we really realize too now that donating doesn't mean that it's actually going to go somewhere good now. It usually means that it's going to be, especially if it's something cheaply made it's going to be shipped to somewhere like Haiti and then disrupt their fashion economy because they're getting everything for free mm. and so nobody wants to create anything anymore and so yeah you just have to you just have to be comfortable i think in your own skin and like really own something that that makes you happy and truly reflects who you are i think you are tapping into something
1: very important because i think today we just like well i mean even with plastic and stuff we can that's a whole other conversation but oh i'll buy a plastic bottle i'm just going to recycle it later but it's like it's yeah it's better to recycle it than to throw it in the trash but it's still not good like try how can we go from consuming 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 and being better at recycling to just how can we consume less like you said like you're still shopping clothes but you want to shop clothes that you know you're going to have for a while not just that something's going to go in and out of your water in like two months. And I think it's the same with, you know, going out to get a coffee. Bring your own coffee mug and, you know, reuse that or try not to get a straw and try not to use plastic forks and stuff because everything that's being produced all the time is going somewhere in our landfills or it's being somewhat recycled. And it's good that we have recycling, but I think it's easy for people to just give that excuse to like, well, I'll just recycle it later. Yeah. And um, now that that's a bad thing, I don't want to make anyone feel bad, but just how can we go even further to be like, how can we actually reduce that waste already created?
0: Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because we do see people like you and me um, so much more now that are really trying to be mindful and really excited about doing the right thing. Most people want to recycle now, and that didn't start just because people wanted to start recycling. It started because the government started implementing that you have to recycle, and there was education around it, and then it became normal, and now people are excited about it mm-hmm. on a mass level. And I think that when it comes to consumerism and and the responsibility lying on the consumer, I think that there is a point where, yes, the consumer does need to be mindful, but I think to have more um, more change on a massive level, the governments really need to be involved, and we need to have legislation passed that doesn't allow Starbucks to use their disposable cups anymore. You know, it doesn't allow for straws to be mm-hmm. a part of everyday life. It doesn't allow for... You know plastic bags to be the option at Mm -hmm. grocery stores and I think um, you know my lifestyle isn't difficult but it is more difficult than if the government was making things easier Mm -hmm. um, because most of the burden does fall on the consumer right now and I don't think that that is fair and I think that in order for us to see more change it's up to the powers at B to make it easier for people and make it make it more readily available because um, they really do have the power and the infrastructure to do it. And then, as we know from past campaigns like recycling, over time people tend to prefer it. And so it's just about implementing things like that and and having more checks at the corporation level. I think you know if you're going to produce something, you're responsible for where it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to produce clothing, then what happens when the user is done? You have to take it back, and you have to have a way of like closing that loop. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, know. it's great that right now H&M are implementing all
1: those recycling bins, which I think they should promote even more. But it's a step in the right direction. You know, you can actually recycle your clothes. It's not just about giving to a poor country. You can actually reuse the materials in it and create this circular way of make, doing fashion, that's not linear.
0: Yeah, yeah, and H&M gets a lot of flack, and I don't think that that's cool, because they're a company that was one of the worst, Mm -hmm. and they heard our complaints, and now they're doing something about it, and they're investing so much money in their programs for sustainability and recycling, they're making fabrics that are out of recycled material more and more like I don't know if you knew but just like a couple of years ago you couldn't make jeans that were 100 percent recycled just because the breakdown of the fabric over time made it to where it wasn't usable in a new pair of mm-hmm. jeans and they've invested so much money in, in finding new technology that they're getting closer and closer to 100 percent recycled on this clothing mm-hmm. and so I think like we all start off ignorant. Yeah. And then if we, if we get knowledge and we choose to do something for it, then we should be celebrated, not, not chastised for it. So with that said, as a consumer, you have the power to vote for your
1: dollar or whatever you, you know, currency you, you yes. shop with. Uh, but like, since H&M, and I know a lot of other brands too, are creating lines that are sustainable, go choose those clothes instead. Because it's showing them that, oh, there's there's a demand for this and they are rewarding us for making all those investments because if if they're trying to make a change, we don't pick up on it and like, oh, this is a great thing, I'm happy that they are actually doing something about it, what's the point in the end anyways? So I think it lies with the producers and the stores, but also with us consumers to then reward their actions towards a better future.
0: Yes, definitely
1: so with that said too if there's anything like go to the grocery shop be like oh that's this new kind of vegan meat I never tried it out before like the more we start shopping for those products they will gain market share and we will see so big shifts in, in the
0: environment and in the, in the
1: society as general
0: yeah definitely I kind of look to the organic food movement in America um, as an example for the way that sustainable fashion could, could progress mm-hmm. because it really did start with Consumers wanting it and then buying it. And then people who weren't offering organic produce realizing, wow, we're missing out on this huge part of the market. And now when I go home to Nashville, you know, the regular chain grocery store has a huge organic section. Mm -hmm. And that's because the consumers demanded it Mm -hmm. and they didn't want to miss out on it. And I think, you know, H&M is one of those people that is, not afraid to test the waters and be that first person and they're they're realizing like there is a demand for it and other people are gonna not want to miss out on that Mm -hmm. and so they're gonna start doing it but it it has to be demanded by by people Yeah. yeah
1: so what is one advice um or like let's say for someone who's never even thought about sustainable fashion this might be the first time they even hear about the impact of the fashion industry um, or the food industry or just everyday living sustainably. What are three tips you would have
0: for someone just starting out? They can day like start today to be more sustainable consumer. I would say start by watching documentaries because that is where I got so much of my information and had the veil removed from my eyes on so many things that I didn't know about. And so I can recommend True Cost if you're interested in learning about sustainable fashion it's a beautiful film and it's an hour and a half and you will walk away knowing so much more than you did before Um, secondly I would recommend really focusing on the things in your closet that you love and then when you go shopping try secondhand first because There is so much secondhand clothing that if we don't if we don't use, it's gonna go to a landfill and it's great. Especially in New York City. Like Mm -hmm. I find Marc Jacobs and, you know, Prada secondhand everywhere. And it's so cheap. And it's so cheap and you you can add it to your wardrobe and it's not harming the environment. It's not going to the waste pool. And then really looking at the things that you have that you love picking things that go along with that and then once you feel like okay I know what I'm doing I know what I want looking for the brands that are sustainable that you're willing to invest in that are going to last you forever like one of my favorite companies who I've modeled for as well is Elizabeth Susan and she has like the coolest basic stuff um But it's going to last me forever. And so once I figured out my style, I was like, okay, that's a brand I love. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the third tip would be just to check out my website because I have a lot of tips on there. Um, I share my journey because I didn't just change overnight and become sustainable. Um, I share my journey and give tips and some designers that I love and also a way to contact me if you have questions because I love giving advice and um, creating a community. So what's your website? It's modelforgreenliving.com, and the, it's model the number four Green Living. And I'll include the links too. So
1: Cool. Make sure people can find you. All right, um, just wrapping up with my final three. Uh, are you ready for them? I don't know. Should I be? um let's see (laughs) no they're not hard but um number one is i want to ask everyone why is change important to you
0: without change life is boring Mm -hmm. and the world is constantly changing the environment is constantly changing and yeah you need change to progress Mm -hmm. then
1: why do you think change is so hard for people and what is one advice you want to give to people that can make it easier
0: I think change is not hard because we individually won't like it. I think usually it's because we're scared of what other people will think. Mm -hmm. And I've found that the more open and honest I've been about the things that I'm insecure about and want to change, the more positive feedback I've had from people who are like, yes, I want to change that too. Let's do it together. And... I think that it doesn't have to be scary. I think the scary part is that we hold it in tight and don't want to share it with people. Mm. And as soon as we release it, then it's not hard and it's actually fun. So just talking about it maybe and you will
1: find that other people around you probably are thinking the same things. Yeah, exactly. Or they might be interested in what you're saying. Like, yeah, let's do it together. Yeah. That's a fun way. Um, Okay, and then the final one, and this is my own word, retruthing, And I created that because I was lacking this word. And I want to take a truth today that we've always been operating for from and then just change it so that we can look at the future like in a more compassionate, sustainable, and loving way. And it's just basically changing how we think about things and how we act to those things. So if you were to retruth something right now, what would that
0: be? Wow, this is a really difficult question. Can I take a second to think about it? You can take a second. I think I would like to read truth that human beings are separate and higher than the rest of the planet. And that's not to say that humans aren't incredibly special and amazing and beautiful, but to say that the rest of our ecosystem, our planet, the animals, the oceans, the earth, they're equally as important and amazing, and beautiful, and I think that the more connected we are with everything that surrounds us, the happier I've become, and I've seen my friends and family become, and so I guess just, we're not the top of the, the hierarchy of, there is no hierarchy, we're all the same, and I think, yeah, I would like to retruth that beautiful i love
1: it (laughs) renee thank you so much for having me thank you for being on my show
0: i'm really excited this is my first podcast and now i'm not so scared anymore see
1: that's one of the (laughs) cross up the list yes all right and once again if you want to find you how
0: can we find you so i'm on instagram at model for green living the same on facebook and twitter it's model for green lvng And my website is www.modelforgreenliving.com.
1: Thanks for tuning in. And if you have any questions or ideas for this pod, please send me an email to annatherese at rolemodelsmanagement.com. That's rolemodelsmgmt.com. And if you or anyone in your surroundings want to be a role model, please check out our submissions page at www.rolemodelsmgmt.com. And then, last but not least, please find a minute to head over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you so much, and I'll talk.